So we're talking about what it costs for a person to play a game. It costs spontaneity. Can't be spontaneous because everything you do has to conform to the assumptions of the game you're playing. Can't be yourself because you're only allowed to be that part of yourself that's contained within the boundaries of the game. So you can't be your whole self. You can only be a tiny fraction of who you really are. <laughs> it costs you real love and real contact with people because a person can only get so close to you that is they can only get to the exterior of the, of the, the um, show part you know the part that you show the exterior part of the mask and it can't get any closer to you than than that than, the, than that part of the game it can only come up to the outside of the game and can't ever come closer to you than the outside of the game because if they did, then they would be able to see that everything that you're showing is actually artificial. It's not authentic. It's a game. And that would destroy the game. You don't get to be creative because you only get to operate within one or two channels of the, of the game strategy. And, and show those one or two ch channels or scripts. Be authentic because um, the game is a facade and you can't be responsive to your environment. You have to play according to the rules or the assumptions of the game. There's some of the things that it costs a person when they play a game. They are only aware of the payoff that they receive because the payoff is contained within the assumptions of the game machine. But the true costs of the game are very clear and, and significant and relevant. However, awareness of them is usually only outside of the assumptions of the game. An example of this in the real world would be nuclear power plants. See, nuclear power plants from within the assumptions, you know, the small view of the game, well, they're very clean, you know, they don't put out a bunch of smoke and soot and that, that causes acid rain, you know, it's just that little cloud of steam that comes up in the sky and there's no um, garbage or sewer or um, they just make a little heat, you know, they kind of warm up the water a little bit around there, which is, you know, who cares? <coughs> so, the payoff is like you just take some plutonium or uranium refined refined minerals and you stick them together and they um, create heat and the heat makes steam and the steam drives a turbine and the turbine makes electricity 
and it's like free electricity basically perfectly clean free electricity so that's that's the payoff is you know the payoff is that you get something for nothing and that's what it looks like but the true the truth is that in the big picture the nuclear power plants create nuclear waste products and nuclear waste products are highly toxic and incredibly dangerous to all life on the planet not just human life but all life on the planet because of the radioactive nucleotides <coughs> and these radioactive toxic wastes last 50,000 years minimum so it's impossible to get rid of them you can't stick them in concrete and put them under the ocean which is the standard method used now one of the standard methods because uh, <coughs> in far less than 50,000 years the concrete will be completely um, disintegrated and uh, the, all those wastes are totally exposed to um, to the earth, to the ocean currents, to um, sea life that carries them this way and that way and then dies and gets eaten by other sea life that carries them this way and that way and dies. Or um, another technique is to put them way deep underground in abandoned salt mines and just leave 55-gallon um, metal cans or filled with nuclear waste products that are highly toxic and radioactive for 50,000 years. And in 50,000 years, you know, water tables change, uh, streams can come through the mines, or earthquakes happen and cracks form, and you know, volcanoes erupt. I mean, there's, and you don't, you don't know. It's impossible for a human being to work in the time range that, of like, that is as big as 50,000 years. Um, you know, that's that's about as long as human beings as a species have existed on the planet. So, um, a lot can happen in that time, and the cost is, an, um, the payoff is that we don't have to be responsible. If we only operate in the small assumption of, of free power from nuclear, um, from nuclear power plants, we don't have to be responsible for 50,000 years worth of toxic, you know, lethal, highly poisonous waste products that we're littering the planet with in, in quite an abundance. Um, but the true cost is we could be, you know, poisoning the entire future generations of humanity and wiping ourselves off the planet. So that's, that's the, um, a comparison between um, a payoff for a game and the cost of the game. So as we were saying, one way to monkey wrench a game machine is to inject the um, awareness of the costs of the game, you know, what it's really costing, into the, into the inside of the game machine, and that'll build up too much pressure, and the game can't tolerate that much pressure from inside and would explode and come apart. So for this, for this method of monkey wrenching, a a game machine to work, the trainer, and for the second t major technique that I want to talk about called doorways, um, a trainer must um, initially first 
must make contact and establish relationship, like intimate relationship with a person. Hold on. Scratch the hold on. Um, they must make that kind of, that level of intimate, solid, firm, connected contact in order for the technique to work. So, um, we're assuming that, that um, as a trainer that you know what the contact is, what contact means. It's described elsewhere. Exercises are given elsewhere. Um, but in terms of contact with um, working with game machines, so the actual title of this article is Game Machine Theory. So. What you want to do as a trainer is bond with the person who you're working with by agreeing with them. What that means is that when they begin to blame and justify and resent and um, explain all the details of the only possible solution to life that they've created for themselves, instead of making them wrong, or making fun of them, or teasing them, or blaming them for being stupid, or, or um, unconscious, or whatever. Instead of doing that, what you do is you agree with them. You agree 100% with everything that they say. And um, it's the opposite of what they expect. They expect that they have to defend themselves and protect themselves against your criticisms and judgments, and against your intrusiveness. But the but in fact, what you're doing is you're agreeing with them, and you're establishing bonding and contact with them. And you do this by keeping one foot outside of the game machine and going inside, the other foot inside the game machine, and establishing contact with them. So at first, they are not aware of the fact that you have one foot outside of the game machine. They're only aware of you coming in and making contact with them in their world, and w with and which is a new experience for them in a way that they feel safe, that they really get that you understand their situation and that you're okay with it. You are 100%, 100% okay with their only possible solution to life. And you accept them and you approve of them and you're in contact with them and you're bonded with them and you say yes. You know, you are with them and you are saying yes. So then 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 once they are bonded with you and connected with you and and trust you then what you what you do is you maintain that contact that intense level of contact and um take what you're doing here is you're working with their attention so you take their attention and you're putting their attention on you. So their attention is not on defending themselves or on um, 
the assumptions of their game strategy, their game machine, or their um, um, fear, or their anger, or any of those things. You're taking their attention, bringing their attention to you. And once their attention is with you, once they are with you, and you are with them, then what you do is, is um, you keep your attention on them and simultaneously back out of the assumptions of their game machine. You move backwards right through the wall of assumptions of their game machine. And, and because they are with you, they are with you. And what happens is, is they suddenly find themselves in a domain outside of their game machine. It's a, a new environment for them. And they didn't even really know how they got there. They don't actually need to know. All they need to know, all they need to do is recognize then that they are no longer functioning within the constraints of the assumptions of the game machine. And, um, and um, can function differently then. They can be something different than who they are uh, uh, functioning within the constraints of the game machine. So they don't have to do this contact only with you as a trainer. It's um, quite possible for them to make contact with another person, a man with man, woman with woman. And once once they have established contact with another person uh, in an authentic, real way, um, which means without being protected by their defense strategy, you know, their, the game machine, then um, this is an, an entirely new reference point for them, to, um, which is, which, uh, from upon which a new reference point upon which they can base the fabrication of a new game machine. Because by backing through the wall with them in contact with you, they've come with you into a new place and their old game machine doesn't contain the new place. So the old game machine is destroyed and, and it's destroyed in a, in a uh, sub subtle way. And what what the subtle way is, is that by having human contact, intimate human contact with another human being, that experience um, indicates or points in the direction of the, what it has cost them previously to not have this experience in their life. So um, what you're doing is, is bringing the awareness of the costs into their space by having an experience of, of human contact and like that's that is what that's that's one of the main costs that um, playing the game strategy produces or, or has a side effect of and since the new experience is okay with them you know and they want it they've been longing for it they, they've been starving for that food. Once they have that experience and know that it's okay, that the other person is okay with them and they are okay with the other person, then the, um, the game, the original game machine has been destroyed and a, and a new one 
um, will form which contains that experience. It's big enough to hold that experience. So that's how to monkey wrench a game machine by bringing a uh, larger, by bringing an experience that's that's more intense or or um, larger than can be contained by the game machine into the game machine, and it, and then uh, and then allowing that to. Uh, explode the game machine from the inside out. So the other technique using um, that begins with contact is similar. Um, it's a s similar technique, but instead of actually creating the experience of human contact for a person. Um, what you're doing is working through a different, a different uh, domain of experience, which is more the intellect or the mind. And um, this technique is called the doorway technique, because what you're, what you will do in this technique is you establish first you establish contact with a person. Um, with one foot outside the game machine one and your other foot inside the game machine uh, as described above and then um, begin calling forth an image of a different possibility for that person for example um, you know let's For example, we had a there was we, there was an example of a a pastor from a Baptist church who came into an event uh, with the with the game machine um, going around and around in a drama uh, where he was the victim and his 200. Two hundred person congregation were all bringing him their problems and bringing him you know fix this solve this what do I do and the people in the town were um, not uh, serving him because he's the pastor and deserves to be served in the church he, um, and they weren't agreeing with him or supporting him or serving him so he was pissed off about that and hated them and the people in his village were all bringing him their problems and they wanted him to do things that he couldn't possibly do and solve things he didn't know how to solve and, and then it didn't have enough time for his children and his family and his wife and um, was and had a blame he was blaming and he was coming in came into the event thinking like his vision then was his only possible solution to that problem was to quit the whole thing was to quit being a pastor because at one point he had a vision at one point he had been inspired but no longer he he, he was now a total victim to the entire situation there was nothing he could do about it he was powerless and he was thinking of of quitting the whole the whole job 
and abandoning the whole thing and going into the world and starting a video computer electronic store and starting a new business that way. And that was his only possible solution. So what happened was is we established contact with him and he he um, expressed rage at the guy in town that pissed him off and he um, because it turned out to be his father and he went through that rage and then um, and then he but then that was early on in Saturday and it's by Saturday afternoon he had just put that all back together into his potato act it was acting like a he was acting like a with a smile on his face and a, powerless and weak and soft and, and uh, um, just like a, a potato, you know, a couch potato. And um, so by Saturday night we took him and put him on the floor into a rage hold and really let his body um, reorder with the maximum expression of rage. And as, as soon as that had been accomplished, this, this tremendous well of sadness came out and he cried on the floor, sobbed for almost a half hour of his deep grief and sadness of not being able to do what all these people wanted him to be able to do. He was, you know, in failing and their, their vision of him was not, he couldn't fulfill their expectations and he couldn't serve them because of, of the uh, constraints of, of his game machine. It wouldn't allow him to be um, anything other than a sniveling potato a victim. So what at that point we had deep contact with him and what we did was began to um, create for him uh, um, uh, an, a, a new vision of what was possible for him as a man. It's, it's, and this technique is called the doorway and it's, it's really similar to what Bugs Bunny does when he's Bugs Bunny is a cartoon rabbit character um, who will who's like a hero or a you know a, the coyote he's like a uh, a coyote sly the the archetypal coyote wise coyote character you know he that's who he represents he um, he has a and anytime he gets stuck in a um, impossible situation is he kind of picks up a, a can of black paint and a paintbrush and um, paints a doorway into a rock or into a wall or through the floor or even in a, a in the sky you know in the air he paints this doorway into the air uh, puts down the paint can opens the door walks through the door closes the door behind him and um, goes somewhere that nobody else can go. So he has the possibility of making a doorway out of anything or any, any situation. He creates a doorway. So this is the um, technique of the, that the trainer uses <coughs> to um, not be confined to the same constraints or restrictions of a person's game machine. And once they're in contact with him, he can uh, um, paint for them. He can he can like take their hand, dip it into the paint, and move their hand through the air to paint for them and describe a doorway into a 
an entirely different space or an entirely different set of possibilities, an entirely different set of restrictions and constraints that, that is far, exp you know, far greater than uh, the uh, game machine that they're stuck in now. And the contrast between the game machine that they're in that disempowers them and restricts them compared to the new doorway that's been been painted out of nothing and opened up into um, that empowers them and gives you know gives them power provides them power and clarity and um, the ability to be brave and kind and healthy and happy um, it, th what happens is is that at some point the person is standing there with they they have one foot through the old door and one foot through the new door and then they have a choice it's like either one is just as valid either one is just as real both of them are you know really just simply manufactured out of nothing they're are they're um, just creations they are creations and the first one they've they created and have lived in for you know 10 20 30 40 50 years they've lived in this same you know, confined little doorway, cramped up space that disempowers them and creates drama for them and uses up their energy. And, or this new doorway that leads into an, an untold things, a completely different universe. They have a choice. And both of them are equally valid. And it's totally up to them whether they go back into the door, the games, the game machine that they're originally in, or they abandon the old game machine for no reason, really, without reason, and just simply step through the new door into an entirely new game machine, not even knowing how it functions or the limits of it, or just knowing that it, it provides, it, that it empowers them. They can, and they get that by the, the sense of it, the feel of it. So, you know, we, we painted this picture for the pastor. We, um, what we, what we, we gave him the key for this new door was what it means to bless somebody <clears throat> and the um, image of himself as being a king of a kingdom of 200 people and that um, the, the truth being or the, the image being that all of the problems and all of the troubles and all of the work that his congregation brings to him is that it's not for him that they that he can receive all of that from all of those people and 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 all he has to do is pass it on up the line he can pass these problems and these pains and this trouble um, up up to um, who he's serving he can pass it to his boss and and his job is simply to be a representative for his boss and um, receive and make contact with people so his job becomes not one of solving problems not one of consoling or fixing things or making things better or um, the peacemaker or any of those things his job is simply to be in contact with a person to greet them and bless them and the technique for greeting somebody and blessing them is just to make contact with them and say hello and that's why he has a 200-person congregation, is that people know he has the capacity to bless, to be, to just look at people and say hello. And by that kind of contact, 
that he can receive all of a person's pain and all of a person's problems and pass it on up the line so it's so he's it doesn't even touch him he's just a, a uh, conductor for for that and it goes right through him without without any effort at all no no residue no um, no no problem for him absolutely no cost to him and the um, and his job becomes one of being a king and the king's job is to bless the people and um, this new image of his job this new vision for him of who he was with regards to his life situation was an, a new doorway for him and we painted that doorway and without hesitation he decided and went through the new doorway abandoning completely abandoning the previous strategy the previous game machine so the trick to the trick or the or the important thing about using the doorway technique is to only create a door or or open a door to possibility that is possible for a person to sustain once they have left the event <coughs> that is that what what the doorway is what what the the possibility is has to be really essentially something that the person has created for themselves it has to be something that they're prepared for or or able to hold together or to keep together or to sustain because if you open a doorway to a possibility that is too great for a person then even though they might go through the doorway and um, agree with it or um, appreciate it in the, e in, the, in the confines of the event during the weekend when they go back into their life their life their, their, the level of practice with which they engage their life is not sufficient enough to sustain the new vision uh, that's through the new doorway so um, it's not stable and then it uh, disassembles so out in the world and then the way it disassembles in the world is that um, once in the world there's such a contrast between the new vision and their life that they have to either destroy their life or destroy the new vision and most people in that situation do not have enough of a support system to allow their life to uh, disassemble and instead they allow the new vision that was through the new doorway to disassemble which means they have to discount the event they discount the, ex the entire experience of the weekend and destroy that in their life rather than destroying um, all the dramas of their life and, and being able to let that go so it's a it's a danger that a trainer must be aware of to um, when they're in contact with a person you know the size of their being you can you can get a sense of who they are as a person you can feel how how, how big their essence is <clears throat> and if their essence is not big enough to sustain the um, practice necessary to um, to um, keep them in the to function in the context of their new vision and their new through the new door then um, 
it won't be stable and it won't survive. So you want to you want to create a possibility for people that works for them and that will work in their life. So it's a um, you don't want to be make the doorway too small or too big. It has to really fit who a person is in their uh, life. So the um, there are really three techniques that were described here. One's called monkey wrenching. This last one is called the doorway technique. And then the middle one that we were calling is really called exploding. And you're exploding. Exploding is the one where you bring in an external awareness of the costs of a game, and which are too are too big for the um, game machine to contain, and it explodes the machine. So the um, The truth is that all three techniques require contact. The, the trainer must be in contact because, and, uh, and please insert this into the, in, um, before all three techniques, that, that all three techniques require contact between a trainer and the person. And um, here's a description of how the trainer must be in contact with a person before he monkey wrenches, before he uses the monkey wrench technique um, to disassemble a game machine, is that the monkey wrench has he has to know he has to know where to place the monkey wrench. He has to know how big the monkey wrench has to be. He has to know the timing that um, you know the timing of how to slip the monkey wrench in so it's really in and produces like a chain reaction uh, of destruction that takes the whole machine apart in the most efficient way. So if you, if you try to monkey wrench a game machine without being in contact with the person, then they take it as an attack and, um, and the machine's complete defense, defenses come up and it's impossible for the monkey wrenching to be successful because it's not a, it doesn't come from love. It's not perceived as coming from love. It's perceived as coming from hate, as an attack. And um, therefore, instead of, instead of allowing the monkey wrenching to occur, a person defends against it and um, the monkey wrenching is not a, a win for them. <laughs>